We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. KJ Podcast, my people, the NFL Draft is complete the 49ers have brought in nine new draft picks and some undrafted players the shape of the roster has changed some people are praising kyle shanahan and john lynch some people are scratching their heads a little bit some different types of moves in this 2018 draft their second draft together kj podcast we're gonna break it all down gonna have some big takeaways for you and then i instead of just Looking at every draft pick, I want to look at the position group they're in right now. We're going to look at Dante Pettis and see how is he going to get snaps this season. We're going to talk about him as a player, but where do they fit on the 49ers? I think that's a more important conversation to have than what these guys did in college. couple of big takeaways from this 2018 49ers draft class. I think first, the most shocking thing is I see one defensive player coming in and starting right away, and that's Fred Warner. You told me that before the draft, that the Niners would take their first defensive player in the third round, and that might be it in terms of day one, big impact players they're taking on defense. That, was to me, was a shock. And it was, to me, the 49ers saying, listen, we think our defense is better than the reporters think, better than the fans think. Could that come back to bite them? I think so. We'll see. I mean, it's 
not a bad draft class. I think they got some great value at picks and got guys Kyle like, but that was the number one shocker to me. Fred Warner really going to be the only guy coming in right away. I think starting at the will linebacker, we'll see what happens with Reuben Foster. I don't know if he's ready to handle Mike linebacker day one as a rookie. I'd probably give that to Malcolm Smith, but Tavarius Moore, corner, safety hybrid, they're calling him. I think best case scenario is him platooning with Witherspoon maybe halfway through the year. He's going to be adjusting to a new position, and he could flash for sure, but I'm saying that's a pretty big gamble on a third-round pick. Southern Miss, love his tape, love the 4-3-2 and the 40, can jump out the gym. If he's not good at corner, then I guess you've got a safety here now in Tavarius Moore that can back up Colbert and maybe back up Quisky Tart by the line. I think he has those type of skills where he could be that Eric Reed position, just be the, the multi-backup for everything. So I, I don't know. I don't see Moore having a role right away unless he comes in and dominates and they look smart. It's just, I think, going to take him a while. A lot of NFL cornerbacks takes them a while to adjust, especially if you haven't been playing the position. I like the player. I just don't know if when he's going to have an impact. And again, I've been tweeting it. If this defense doesn't improve from last season, this team's not going to win a playoff game. Jimmy G can be Superman all he wants. The big deal from this draft for me was walking away with blue chip defensive pieces. Fred Warner, I think, might be one. I don't know if he's going to be a pro bowler or like Reuben Foster, but I think he's going to be damn solid in the pass against the run. I'm not giving him grades. Like I'm not giving this draft class a grade. Not last season's yet. It takes a while for all of this to develop, but... Kentavious Street and Julian Taylor, a lot of guys on the D-line here, no tight end, no running back, no guard, no edge rusher. I get it. If you don't like the player and you don't think he's as good as Cassius Marsh or, or can compete at all, don't take him. But this draft not going over as swimmingly, I don't know if the defensive players they took are going to end up being starters or rotational guys maybe Kentavious Street I'm actually really intrigued by him from NC State and then you have the news today of Eric Armstead his contract getting the fifth year option into 2019 nine million dollars for a player six sacks in 30 games I don't know their evaluation of him because last year against Seattle week two on the road Eric Armstead looked good There's some tape of him in the scheme looking really good. There's a lot of inconsistency at high pad level, and he looks often good on the inside and not as an edge rusher. I think there's two reasons why the 49ers decided to extend Eric Armstead. A, they're just trying to keep him happy. They can can still cut him prior to the new league year next year. I thought he was a trade candidate during the draft. I really don't understand how he fits in their plans. They view him as a starter. So if they do, and they think he has a breakout year, now all of a sudden you don't have to pay Eric Armstead. You've got him under contract. I mean, these fifth-year options are for established players so the team has more time to think about a contract extension. It's a cool clause added in the CBA. Eric Armstead really doesn't deserve this extension, but the 49ers can cut him beforehand. They better hope he doesn't get hurt. I don't want to be this guy all year and bring it up on every podcast, but since it's right after the draft, 
edge rushing will be a problem on this team. Just how cornerback was an issue for this 49ers team last year and prevented wins. Dante Johnson was getting picked on. Rashard Robinson ended up getting traded in the middle of the season. Your number one corner who you thought. So I'm, I'm worried about some defensive evaluations going on with the 49ers. Do they actually know what they're talking about here? Are they overanalyzing things? Were they trying to get too cute in the draft and not get guys who can come in and actually play who they think could be a star in the right situation? It, it just seemed less solid guys this year. I don't know. I'm not judging them, but let's see them on the field. Training camp will have a totally different vibe, way more competitive. Rookies were handed spots last year. I just see some holes still on this team after the draft that really were kind of swept under the rug. No big-bodied running back, really. No young guard. They believe in Joshua Garnett was my signal from that. There was opportunities to add competition at other spots other than secondary, other than D-line, and I don't know if this team did that. KJ Podcast, big picture takeaways from the 49ers 2018 draft class. Let's kind of go pick by pick. We did McGlinchey on Friday, so we'll start with Dante Pettis. Shifty feet, separation from the DB. He wins one-on-one. He's such a Shanahan wide receiver. Some are criticizing the team. Why did they trade up? He probably would have been there at 59. I don't hate the maneuvering for a wide receiver Kyle likes. He's rarely taken one in the second round, so he feels strongly about what Pettis can bring to this team. My question is, in 2018, how are you going to find him snaps? And it's I get it. Kyle's not a number one receiver, number two receiver, number three. It's way more interchangeable. He wants to build game plan specific packages for players. This isn't like Madden where you're rolling with a depth chart. I mean, it's very fluid for Kyle. He could see Dante Pettis one week against the Cardinals. Oh, this is a great matchup for him in the slot. Let's put him there. So I think Pettis one week could have six catches. The next week he could play 12 snaps, just depending on it. They're not pulling Trent Taylor off the field. He had great chemistry with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, The shiftiness from Taylor is similar to Dante Pettis. I like this pick because I do think... He could be a number one receiver down the line, an 80-catch, 1,200-yard, eight-touchdown guy in the NFL. He's that athletic, and he'll be cheap. I've always said, don't don't sign your star receiver in free agency. 49ers trying to draft theirs in the second round. I like Dante Pettis. I like the pick. Hopefully, he makes a big impact as a punt returner. That's what the 49ers will think. But I think 45 catches is like, that would be huge for him as a rookie. I just don't think... He's going to play as much as you think. Marquise Goodwin, they gave him an extension. Look at Marquise Goodwin with Jimmy Garoppolo. Who knows? Pettis, if he's that good, they may have to push Marquise Goodwin off the field and say, hey, we have a rookie who is completely going off at this X position. He's stretching the field. Pierre's wide open underneath because they have to give attention to Pettis. Let's see how it plays out. I like the pick. Let's see how he gets playing time. Year one. Fred Warner. When it's all said and done, six, seven years from now, we look back on this draft, Fred Warner might be the best pick, third rounder, excellent coverage skills, shed blockers. He can start day one. I think if Ruben is back and on the field somehow in September, that it could be Ruben as your Mike and Fred Warner as your Will. 
I think more likely Ruben suspended for a couple games, bare minimum. Malcolm Smith is your Mike, and Fred Warner is your Will. And Fred Warner could platoon a little bit with Malcolm Smith if Ruben Foster is back. Malcolm Smith will be in the plans, but I think this is a starter they drafted who's going to be solid and a playmaker. And he's a new age linebacker. He's very lengthy, 6'3", 236. I thought his tape was really impressive. He goes to a different school, has more attention on him. I think Fred Warner might have snuck into the first round or been an early second round pick. BYU often flies under the radar. Some of the schools up there, Utah, my buddy Paul Kruger up there had an amazing college career, amazing college tape. Um, So some of those conferences get penalized a little bit. Fred Warner, hard to find flaws with him. I thought that was their best pick. They needed more impact players on defense. I think Fred Warner is going to be good against the run and provides depth too, just in case they want to go Ruben and Malcolm. They've got Fred to use in some sub packages here. The big news out of that is Brock Coyle doesn't have to be on the field now. and He's a great backup to have and can play Mike. He's a smart guy who can make calls. But I think you'd rather have Malcolm Smith as your Mike linebacker and Fred Warner as your will. I don't think you want to play Fred Warner and Brock Coyle together and have Malcolm Smith on the bench. He's just very experienced. And we've got to see him make mistakes before we put Malcolm Smith on the bench. I think... His time in the league, the plays he's made, his scheme, familiarity. Malcolm Smith is going to be starting day one if Reuben Foster's out of the picture. I mean, that at the end of the day, too. They got Reuben Foster insurance with this pick. Tarvarius Moore. I like the player. I don't know how good he's going to be with the 49ers in this kind of role. If they didn't have Colbert, if they didn't have a revelation come on at free safety, I would love this pick and say they finally, they're not going Jimmy Ward. They've got something solved up here up top. They're going to throw more up there. Third round pick, if you find your single high safety, that's awesome. That's great value. Listen, he comes in a corner and shuts me up and shuts all of us up. Great pick, but he's really going to have a lot to prove. At the end of the day, though, if he is a backup to Akilah Witherspoon, I mean, you had random guys no one had ever heard of and 68-year-old Leon Hall as your backup corners. The 49ers needed more depth there. Richard Sherman, we don't know his health. He's claiming he's going to be fine. You You bank that he's fine. You gave him the contract, but that's what this pick makes sense. This was their cornerback pick, their first one. They had another one, DJ Reed, to give K1 Williams some competition. I like that fifth rounder. Not the body type they look at all, but it's a slot corner. So slot corners are normally shiftier, smaller guys because they're covering the smaller guys. I I thought K1 was brilliant last year coming in for that contract, but DJ Reed has some playmaking ability. He can return kicks. He adds more value. If it's close between DJ Reed and K1 and DJ Reed can return kicks, DJ Reed wins the roster spot. That's how it goes. Before DJ Reed was Kentavious Street, we mentioned him a little bit earlier. Sounds like it's going to be a redshirt year for him. They have DJ Jones. They have Ronald Blair. Those guys played 13% of the snaps last year. Tank Carradine is who he's kind of being compared to. He played 19% of the snaps. So I think best case scenario, 
Kentavious Street in 2019 can hopefully become a Ronald Blair or a DJ Jones. I mean, that's tough. That's a tough pick in the fourth round. I like the player again, but if he's not producing and performing, the Niners weren't trying to take impact players right away. They're taking a flyer on a D lineman who has some edge rushing capabilities. He's not your edge rusher, but certain packages he could be. I I liked his tape. He's explosive, bulkier guy. I just I, isn't that Ronald Blair? Isn't that DJ Jones? You kind of already have that. Is he that much different? Couldn't you have taken a guard, a running back, a tight end here? Uh, yeah, that's that's one I question. Again, I, I like the player. Let's give him all chances. Not trying to be a dick, but trying to point out the way you build a roster here, the third, fourth, fifth round can fucking matter. Marcel Harris, six-round pick, missed all last season at Florida. His highlight tape is vicious. He's violent. I like Chancellor James a lot from last season, the Boise State guy who was clobbering people. Seems like they're similar players. They'll kind of duke it out. I think that could be your 53-man, whether it's Marcel Harris or Chancellor James, your special teams guy. I'm, yeah, I'm guessing you're going to keep at least four safeties, if not five, for the special teams. And then Richie James, seventh rounder, Middle Tennessee State. Ran like a 4-4-8, great yak ability. I think Kendrick Bourne's spot is not 100% locked. They're excited about him. He had a great end to the season, but there is stiff competition now. A couple undrafted guys are coming in too. We got hyped up about Victor Bolden last year too. It depends on how these guys come out and play, but Richie James feels like a Kyle Shanahan scat back type of receiver, very shifty. I like the pick. I like throwing competition at wide receiver. So he took two wide receivers. That means Aldrick Robinson's probably out of the picture. Aaron Burbridge, probably Victor Bolden Jr. too, if they like Richie James more. But, you know, seventh-round picks can get cut. I mean, you get to this spot, not automatic. You're making the roster. I like Richie James's film, though. Not going to do the undrafted guys in this pod. It's it's just too early. Let's see the reports from rookie minicamp. This time last year, people were hyping up KD Cannon. Like he should have been a second-round pick, and the Niners ended up cutting him. I don't think he's in the league. Your college production does not equal automatic NFL success. Duh. Keep that in mind when you see all this college tape that people are tweeting out and getting pumped about. That does not automatically mean NFL success especially not right away. Yeah, I think the most impactful picks will be McGlinchey this year as he's starting. If the run game is fixed on the right side, that's going to make the offense a just You're going to notice it so much more. There's going to be a lot of play action, I think, going to McGlinchey's side. That's going to open things up on the backside. Jimmy G rolling to his left. I think that's going to be huge this year and finding those crossing patterns. McGlinchey actually sets up passing plays because of his run blocking. Yeah, Pettis, 45 catches would be tremendous. Punt return or two for a touchdown? I got to say, how how many punt returns did Trent Taylor have last year? Let's see. 15 games, Trent Taylor, 30 punt returns, 281 yards, 9.4 yards a, per, a return. A lot of fair catches, obviously. I only recall him fumbling once. Maybe that was the Bears game that it happened. So Trent Taylor... 
was fine, but just Dante Pettis is an upgrade and can play all over the line and has number one wide receiver potential. I have, I'm annoying about certain points. If Kyle likes a player on offense, you get, you get that player. If he's identified someone in the second round at receiver who's 6-1, I like that a lot. and can play on the outside. There's potential there. Fred Warner, just recapping. I think he can have 80 tackles this season, have a couple picks. Foster didn't have a huge turnover last year. He didn't have a huge play. He came in and was solid and thumping around. Fred Warner could be your, more of your turnover guy. Your force fumble guy, your fumble recovery guy, always around the ball, sideline to sideline. I would be stunned if Fred Warner isn't a solid player. I just think he's smart, he's athletic, he's he fills a need. Love the Fred Warner pick, probably my favorite pick. Tavarius Moore, will he come in and make an impact this year? It's going to be tough, very difficult for him. He is their backup cornerback right now. Best case scenario I tweeted is him and Akilo platooning. Based on the matchup, if, if Akilo's not having a good game or Tavarius Moore is better in red zone coverage, you don't like taking your second corner off the field. You want him to be in a rhythm, but you're trying to figure out who the best player is. It's going to take live game reps in the regular season to know if Tavarius Moore is ready to be a cornerback. I don't know if he'll get those this year, but at least he'll be the backup. You have... Some more depth there. Um, Yeah, I mean, we've been through everyone here. I think this class can be solid offensively more than defensively. Even without running backs, without QBs, without tight ends. It's two receivers and a right tackle. And I think a couple years from now we say, yeah, we're taking away Pettis. Richie James is still on the roster. He's got potential. McGlinchey's a solid right tackle. And then Fred Warner. Everyone else, I think, hopefully they're good. I don't know if that's enough here. You had, what, nine picks? And I'm thinking four are going to be hits. Who knows? Julian Taylor, I think we skipped over him. The Temple, D-Lyman. He had some good film, actually, against Quentin Nelson. He has, he has good tape. Just another D-Lyman there. Are you planning on cutting DJ Jones, Ronald Blair already? These fifth and sixth round, seventh round picks, they're interchangeable. I get it. Every year, you're kind of making new picks. I'm just saying, at tight end right now, what if Kittle goes down? What's the plan? No one was really brought in as a backup. You have Selleck. You have Juszczyk who can probably, you can get creative with him and line him up as a blocking tight end. Um, Yeah, KJ Podcast. I'm not like doing cartwheels over this draft class. I see where... Certain guys are just going to have trouble developing on this roster. I also see where Pettis could be a pro bowler in a couple of years too. There's certain high marks and certain head-scratching things. And I think that's most teams after the draft. And let's be honest here. The Niners watch more tape on everyone than all of us combined. Every Niners fan out there combined the hours we did compared to their whole scouting staff and years of meeting up with these prospects. They think they got some smart guys, all run good 40s. A couple guys are going to have injury red shirts. Hashtag Tramp Balky. Feeling it. Late Monday afternoon, KJ Podcast. We're evaluating this draft class. Big takeaway. Fred Warner is your only 
big defensive piece coming out of this class, that's underwhelming. Cassius Marsh and Jeremy, Jeremiah Atachu, they're hyping up those guys who have they don't have proven NFL track records. Eric Armstead doesn't have a proven NFL track record. Solomon Thomas is an edge run defender. He's not an edge rusher. Maybe he will shut us all up and I'll be the first to eat crow to say, what was I thinking? That's fine. The point I've been harping on the last couple podcasts was the 2017 class going to have their feathers ruffled from the new guys. Outside of Trent Taylor, Akilah Witherspoon, there's not a whole ton of competition. Like Josh Garnett has a free path really to win the guard spot. Eric Armstead is your starter at Leo. He doesn't even have to fight anyone off. Cassius Marsh is the situational guy. He's not going to be your starter at Leo. Like Guys are leaving the draft, and some of them aren't going to have competition where they probably should have, or there should have been an extra tight end behind Kittle because he was banged up all last year. There's certain spots here where they kind of missed, and they missed last year on corner. They didn't add enough there. So I'm just putting my microscope on this roster and telling you where there could be issues. Again, not a bad draft at all. We're not in a position to say bad. I'm in a position to say, why not those positions? Why double receiver, double D-line? We don't know how the competitions are going to shake out yet, but it seems to me that wide receiver is now overcrowded and some other positions are undercrowded. Undrafted guys will be huge too. I still got to study up on them. The Florida State corner is obviously going to have a shot to make the roster. He was like a projected second-round pick for a bad 2017. Hey, that that made Harold Landry fall. That can do it to you. God, I'm so upset that Harold Landry is going to dominate for the Titans. I said it on Friday too. Marcus Davenport, I'm a little scared. The Saints traded up that far to get this type of pass rusher when they've been crushing it in the draft. Um KJ Podcast, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan banking on their 2017 rookie class to really be there again, double down again. Solomon Thomas, he's got to come through. Killer Witherspoon, he's got to be ready to go as good as he was at his top. Looks like the draft class is going to cost $8.6 million in 2018, which puts the Niners still at $40 million in cap room. They're bankrolling money over. Free agencies can still be used next year on an edge rusher, on other positions of need. If Jarek McKinnon goes down, I guess Matt Breida is your starter. We still have Joe Williams. There'll be some undrafted guys there too. I was hoping for a bigger back to absorb more contact so Jarek McKinnon doesn't get injured. So running backs get hurt all the time. And I just don't know if you want such a key piece to an offense, a guy you gave $30 million to in free agency. Brita is the backup, and he's good, but I, I need another big body there to absorb some blows at running back. This roster is not done yet. The Rams have a better roster. I don't think anyone can pick the 49ers to win the division. You can. There'll be 15 to 20% of people. And Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Jared Goff. You can argue Kyle is as good, if not better, than Sean McVay as a play caller. Wade Phillips, you give him the advantage there. 
the Rams didn't pick till the third round. They went with a bunch of O linemen. They traded Tavon Austin. They've they're remaking their team. Um, I don't think any team in the NFC West got significantly better in the draft, and that includes the 49ers, and that's a little disappointing. Top 10. McGlinchey, if he's not Trent Brown and is struggling in the NFL at right tackle and they got this wrong, that's officially when some alarm bells are going to go off. If McGlinchey comes in at right tackle this year and it's a problem, and all of a sudden they're looking at other options over there, having a blocking tight end on that side at all times, they took a big risk with McGlinchey, already having Trent Brown in the fold. No, they're not going to pay him. But if McGlinchey isn't a top five to seven right tackle, then this pick was a waste because you could have gotten a right tackle in free agency or a right tackle in the second, third, fourth round who's an average kind of guy out there. McGlinchey top 10, he's got to be one of the better tackles in the league. He walks away with the most pressure. The pick who's always the highest normally has the most pressure. Dante Pettis really has no pressure at all. There's going to be really tough time getting him on the field with how much they like everyone else. I don't think Garcon will feel threatened either by that pick. He knows he's got to perform. He is coming off a neck surgery too. He has to prove he's healthy. And he has been his whole career. It's just he's he's 32 and this is football. He's been hit thousands of times in his career. KJ Podcast running long, analyzing this draft class. I think it's a good draft class. I don't think it'll end up being extraordinary. And that's kind of what this team needed to accelerate the rebuild. Again, on defense, they didn't do much in free agency. Richard Sherman, big fish. Anyone else? Grant Cohn. I mean, there's there's certain people who are crushing this team too hard for this draft class. You can't predict the future like that. There's too many people praising Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch for every single move they make. It, it's somewhere in the middle here, guys. And they know it too. You can't hit on every pick. I'm having a blast. We've been talking on this pod so much since September when I left KMVR. It's grown tremendously. The live event at Pete's was awesome. I love 49ers fans. I love talking football with you. I still think this team is very competitive and in the playoff hunt and probably still in the playoffs this season. We have months and months to go until September and you will get analysis all the time from the KJ Podcast. Talk to you again later this week. We're out. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family has big plans for Labor Day weekend, but our outfits aren't measuring up. Then get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's huge Labor Day sale is on now. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, 50% off all tees, and 50% off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family. 50% off all those styles? That's a big deal. So is this. Styles start at just six bucks at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Change of plans. We're spending the weekend at Old Navy. High fashion. Old Navy. Valid 830-93. Excludes in-store clearance. Active licensed and men's package tees. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.